Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for listening to us or watching us today. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined here in the lovely state of South Dakota by my good friend, Joseph Lassiter. Hello. And we are also joined by my brother back in Pennsylvania, Jacob Johnson. Hello. All righty. Don't forget, you can share this show with as many people as you possibly can by going to our website, which is trdshow.net, and sharing our website with all of your friends, family, anyone you can think of. We're trying to get the word out about the show to as many people as possible, so help us grow that network and share that link. If you're already listening to the show and you haven't liked the video or left a comment, please go ahead and do that. If you haven't left us a review on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, uh, please drop us a... uh We'd appreciate a five-star review, but obviously, review us, honestly. Um, (laughs) Every review helps, so please drop us some reviews. We would really appreciate that. Share links to videos and podcasts with as many people as you can and help us grow the audience of this show. Thank you so much for all you've done already to do that. If you want to email things to us, send us questions, suggestions, anything you find data-wise or whatever, what have you, that you'd like us to talk about on the show, you can send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com, and we are very excited to read those emails from you. If you're interested in hearing us do deep dives, and might I say, I think this month is going to be a deep dive heavy month. Um, I, for one, am thinking about doing a deep dive this month because there's just so much we're going to be talking about. I don't have nearly the amount of time I would like to talk about some of the things that even in just these first two chapters of this book, which we're about to announce in just a second, I haven't had the time to get those into my notes, uh, most of what I want to talk about. So I'll probably be doing a deep dive. If you want to see those deep dives, you have to follow us on our pro pro First Amendment platforms, and that includes Gab, Gab TV, Rumble, and Odyssey. So you have to make sure you follow us there. And this month, we are introducing a brand new theme. So our theme this month is the dangers and evils of the government schools. Again, the dangers and evils of the government schools. So we have a lot to say on that topic. So you'll be hearing a lot about that today. Uh, A little bit of a breakdown of what today's episode is going to look like. First, obviously, we're going to start talking about our current events, the things that happened this week, um, some exciting things and some not so exciting things so that'll be very interesting to talk about and then we're going to move into our literature of the month and with a new theme comes a new book so we are going to be introducing our brand new book which is millstones and stumbling blocks and if you're watching us you can see that on my shelf right here um and jacob actually has that on his shelf as well so um that is what the what the cover looks like um, so it's uh, Millstones and Stumbling Blocks by Bradley Heath. So very, very good book. Um, when I started reading it, I just couldn't believe the, uh, the strength that Bradley Heath writes with um, and the conviction. Um, and it's just very, very well written. So very excited to, to delve into that. And um, I did just want to really quickly, briefly, within 30 seconds or so, introduce why we chose this theme and kind of give you a, a brief overview of where we're going with the show and why we've chosen some of the themes that we have. So we started with um, the the theme that we we started with was the uh, uh, glorifying God and, and we used knowing God and we talked about that. And then we moved into uh, discovering and using our God-given gifts. And then we moved into the... Um, the realm and authority of Caesar, and now we're moving on to the government schools. These all can kind of seem disjointed if you don't understand what the big picture is. But as we've discussed in previous on previous episodes, there are four, and some people might argue for more or less, but we believe there are four governments that God has ordained in society. You've got the individual, the family, the church, and the civil government. And thus far, we've actually talked about two of those governments. We've talked about um, discovering and using our God-given gifts, which relate, which relates directly to our individual, the individual self-government uh, or self-government. And um, we've also discussed the civil government in our in our last our last month, our last theme. And now we're actually moving on to the family government, which is which relates heavily to education and educating children. So it's, they're all very, very important topics. We have to know what our roles are in each of those uh, governmental spheres. 
So this is a very, very important topic to get into. But before we start getting into the topic, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And our verse this week was actually suggested by my good buddy, Joe. So um, our verse this week is Colossians 2, uh, verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the word, uh, or of the world, and not according to Christ. And this was actually mentioned in the book as well. Um, but it's it's really important on a on an educational level and on all so many other levels, but specifically on an educational level, that we don't fall victim to the deceit of this world, the the philosophies, the empty deceit, according to this world, this uh, the human traditions of this world, but that we're grounded on Christ. We're grounded in the word of God instead. And that goes for everything, including, as we're going to talk a lot about today, education, um, especially for the most fragile and one might use the word innocent members of our society, children, right? It's vitally important that we get this right. So we're going to be talking a lot about that today. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our current events. And as always, Jake, we're going to start with you. All righty. So I am my headline, and the headline I would like Joe and Bruce to uh, comment on is Federal Court Blocks Biden Administration's Private Business COVID-19 Vaccine Mandate. That is so exciting. I read part of that article Heard the or saw read the headline and it was very, very exciting. The pessimistic side of me wondered what is their play, what are they doing? Because we know Supreme Court is not on our side. So what is their play here? Yeah. And yes, I know that's the pessimist in me, but <laughs> my my first reaction was, wow, this is so exciting, and then I was like, hold up. What are they doing? <laughs> I just can't wait to see how it plays out and unfolds. We'll see which way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Which way does it yep. go? Is it going to be in our favor or not? Right, right. Um, and so this this is what I was going to say on the topic is um, the vaccine mandate. And this is what is in the article is the vaccine mandate is now being challenged in court. And multiple states have brought this uh, to the court. Uh, Honorable mentions being Texas and yep. their attorney general, um, Paxton. And, uh, and now the courts have said that the mandate could possibly be unconstitutional. So they have now blocked the mandate until they can fur- look further into this. Nice. Uh, the reasoning for this, the reasoning they thought it might not be constitutional is um, the vaccine exceeds the emergency temporary standard. Hmm. And another reason is that this virus is not based on how many people are in a company, but of the age of the people working. Yes. So this mandate shouldn't be worded to affect companies who have more employees, but instead it would more or less, and this is what I don't like, but we would more or less affect companies who have an older, um, older aged employee mm. base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is actually one of my three articles that I was going to be talking about today. Um, so I have a few more details that I can also include, um, if you'd like Jake and, um, I just wanted to add to that one statement where you were talking about the reasons why they came to this conclusion. And I I just thought it was really exciting. Um, And I'm going to quote right from the article. What they said was, because the petitions give cause to believe that there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate, the mandate is hereby stayed pending further action by the court, um, by this court. And that was a panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit said um in their brief order so it was encouraging to read that because it actually demonstrated that you know they got so many petitions that they just couldn't ignore this any longer and they had to actually respond to this with a um with with some sort of decree or with some sort of decision 
Um, and I thought it was also neat that I'll just read just a little bit more. Um, the case was brought by multiple businesses, including the American Family Association, was brought by multiple individuals in addition to businesses and several states. And you mentioned Texas. There's also Utah and Mississippi. Um, and finally, lawyers for the case said that vaccination status is a public health issue that affects people throughout society. It is not a hazard particular to the workplace. And there is no need to use an emergency uh, rule to address a pandemic that has been going on for nearly two years. Congress did not grant OSHA mm. such sweeping powers in its authorizing right. statute. Right. So I, I thought that was that was really cool to uh, mention. So cool. Thanks for bringing this up too, Jake. <laughs> we had the same yeah. uh, same thought here. Anything else you wanted to add on that? Nope. That was all of the articles I had. Um, yeah. Cool. Oh. Yeah, well, that is, uh, when I said encouraging at the beginning of the show, that was what I was thinking of. That is the most encouraging bit of news. Well, actually, the second most encouraging bit of news. I have one more that I'd like to read when it becomes my turn. I won't skip you, Joe. <laughs> uh, but that's also, I think, encouraging. And who knows? Joe might have some encouraging news as well, if it's not some sort of uh, weather phenomenon, which... Ah, uh, no, it's not weather right, phenomenon. Um, no, I just have two articles, but they're both depressing, sadly. Um, oh, no. Yeah, sorry. Sick days disappear in remote working world. Hmm. Yes. So because we are able to stay at home and do work at our own desk, we don't have to come into a business. Yeah, right. There's a lot of people or a lot of businesses that are cutting sick days because, for one, one of the reasons why people would cut sick days is because some people had a sore throat, a little mm. cough. Maybe there was – before before even COVID hit, it was, do they have the cold? If they have the cold, if they have flu, we don't want to spread this. Let's yeah. stay home. Let's take precautions and stay home and keep everybody safe. Well, with that being said, now that we've been, now that COVID has affected our world, we are, we have now been able to be working from home hmm. and that kind of cuts our yeah. sick days for those who work on the computer yeah. tech and, and, and there are a lot of businesses out there that are not as um like I, I think about some of the companies that i've worked for and the one i just switched to which is really cool and a lot of them have been really really cool about that and they've realized that oh you know people's mental faculties um can be diminished when they're sick and they're not going to work as well as they might um if they were well and so they realize that they take that into account and they say yeah of course you can take a sick day or two you know we have right. a but um yeah, yeah some businesses that are literally just all about the money they don't care about their employees yeah i did can you, see that happening did you read my article i think you read oh, it because you were like you were like quoting the, <laughs> the article oh, <laughs> uh, oh well one other thing that i wanted to point out from this article was the in a survey conducted, uh, this is from the news article, uh, in a survey conducted by one poll, two in three Americans say that they feel less inclined to take time off for sore throats and stuffy nose when working from home. And 70% mm. say they've worked while, or they've worked while sick during mm. a pandemic. So yeah. some of them who were sick also transmitted the covid yeah in a sense yeah. sometimes well yeah and i think this is um this is actually a really interesting conversation to have because um i think we've all i don't know if we've ever talked about burnout or what that actually means or uh, a biblical um approach on that but uh yeah people can definitely now that they're working from home they have a tendency to work longer hours they have a tendency to just kind of blur working as opposed to being home with your family and resting especially when it's just one room away right or maybe sometimes you're working at your kitchen table and so you don't even move you know you have dinner there you do everything there and so you'll work until like 9 p.m just because eh, computer's there and you didn't think to you got so involved in your work you don't have to go home at the end of the day you're already there um so yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that so many people are just not, you know, they have sick days available, but they're not even taking them because um, they just don't, they're like, eh, whatevs, I, I can still work, you know, I've just got a little bit of a sore throat, I'm, you know, 
I don't have to go into the office and get people sick, so I can just keep working. So, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting to think about. Yeah. Cool. All right. And now, then... would would that be would that be considered a? Is there anything you could think of that would be would make that a bad thing? Blurring the two of working. I I can so... understand working too long and not thinking about your family. That's right. definitely an right. obvious obvious challenge. But um, is it is it so wrong that they're kind of connected? I do know that at least in my um, at was uh, at my college that we we were talking about how we we were doing a bunch of math equations and figuring out how much it actually costs to run a business. But we were, they were talking about how in the electrical field, the first 20 hours is where you're going to get the most amount of efficiency in a week. The re- the other 30 to 40 hours, that's when you start getting slower and slower and slower. Mm. But that's in the trades field. I don't know how that works for the computer, the computer working. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely um, mental fatigue is definitely a real thing. And I think, you know, God does say, you have six days to do all of your work and then you rest on the seventh, right? So on the one hand, you could say, well, working for six days, maybe that's just kind of up to us. And um, as long as you're balancing your family life as opposed to your work life and you're ensuring that your family is taken care of, you're spending time with them, you're loving them and caring for them, not just, um, you know, not just monetarily, but also on a, on a deeper level, you're connecting with your family, then, um, yeah, as long as you get your, you know, is that, if that happens, then sure. But also, you know, God wants us to relax, right? He's given us wine and beer and, and those sorts of things to help us relax. And so I don't think he wants all of life to be work. Now, we can say that for sure when it comes to the Sabbath, right? The one day and seven where we're to rest the entire day. Um, but I think it's worth studying uh, whether the other days you also get a little bit of rest, right? Now, obviously, the Sabbath is you're resting and you're worshiping God, right? The, that you're, it's, a, it's a holy day. It's a separate day. So it's not the same kind of rest that you have on Sunday. But it is still, I think, a form of rest that you should have throughout the week, to renew yourself and and you know you work better when you're well rested and the bible tells us to in all that we do do is unto the lord and so i think um you would want to in order to to do your best work you need rest so i think that's important and if if you're not being responsible for taking that rest then i think that uh you're not doing your work as unto the lord but those are my quick thoughts I'd love to study this topic more. I think there's a lot more that could be said here for sure. Indeed, a lot more. Cool. But, yeah. All right. Well, let me get back. All right. The next news article I have, and it's just the headline mainly that I have written here, is Trunk Companies in in Unprecedented Scrambled to Find Spare Parts. And you said truck companies? Truck companies. Wow. Yeah. And actually, it's not. That's not good. No, it's not good. And <laughs> to be honest, it's not really just truck companies. It's truck companies and electrical companies and mm. everywhere. Plastic companies. Everybody yeah. is running low on product. And sure, truck companies is one of the main ones. But there's a lot of backstage companies, small businesses, yeah. large businesses too. Food industries. There's a lot of places that aren't getting the supplies that they need Mm. wow yeah you want to talk about supply chain issues it's just there's so many levels and it's kind of a vicious cycle right if you don't have the um the the supplies don't get delivered because there aren't people driving the trucks to deliver the supplies right Mm -hmm. but then that's going to short the amount of supplies that can go to the people who are driving the trucks. Mm -hmm. And now they won't have the parts to actually drive the trucks that they are willing to drive. So yeah, everybody, Mm. everybody suffers from that. Even the people who are willing to work. Not to, not to mention those who aren't able to, or there's 
too much to ship and not enough trucks to ship mm, things. Yeah. If, if especially if it's food, if it's food, food goes bad, it perishes. Yep. So. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. And we've said this before, you know, government gets involved, civil government gets involved where it's not meant to be involved and catastrophe is the result. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what you get when the civil government thinks that it's its job to keep everyone from dying. That's not its job. But we talked about that last month. So, speaking of which, though, we do have two more volumes of Gary DeMar's God and Government book. So, Ooh, send sense. us a, an email or leave us a comment on our Gab page if you'd like us to do another month on that topic and uh, how soon you'd like us to do it. We'll probably be doing another month on that topic sometime next year. Um, but uh, we'd love to hear what you thought of last month's theme and the book and um, if you'd like us to do it rather s- shortly. Um, also, before I forget, uh, I will be putting a poll on our Gab page um, asking about what you would like to hear for our next theme. So um, keep keep alert for that. We are shifting our December schedule, and we're going to post um, updated times for December, and we're also going to be talking about that as we get closer to December. So um, throughout the month of November and December, uh, we're going to start preparing for the next year, and we'd love to get your input on what you would like to get out of the show for next year. So keep that in mind. All right. Anything else you want to add, Joe? That's everything. All righty. Very cool. Okay. So um, I'll have two articles since Jake and I broke down one of the articles I was going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about uh, two of these. My first one is um, this is actually, I mean, this is cool, but it's also terrifying. Uh, I know that sounds weird. It's optimistic, but it's 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 like wow. Um, it's also a massive. I told you so. Um, <laughs> I told but you uh, so. researchers call for halt on COVID nineteen vaccines for pregnant women after re reanalysis of CDC study. What have we been saying since the beginning? Don't get this, especially if you're pregnant. Horrible, horrible thing to do. And they said, no, nah, it's fine. In fact, I know several people who are pregnant and got this thing. It's sad. Um, the amount of miscarriages that happen, it's, it's utterly insane. So here's what the article says. A U.S. US study of over 35,000 35, women who were pregnant and had an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine showed that the side effects following vaccination were very similar in those who were pregnant when compared to those who were not. The Australian government says in a guide to um, COVID-19 vaccination for women. The study, though, was corrected last month after concerns were raised by a researcher in Belgium. The CDC scientists acknowledged that they should have made clear, and this is the crazy part, they should have made clear that they could not accurately calculate risk estimate for a, could not calculate a risk estimate for miscarriages because follow-up data was not yet available for most of the women. So they put out a result and said that they couldn't actually calculate that because they didn't have the data. The CDC did this. Sad. Yes. Human lives are at stake. Unborn lives are at stake. And they flat out lied. And now they've been caught and they're like, whoopsies, sorry, here, we fixed it. Yep. Wow. Utter insanity. Again, great example. When civil government steps in and tries to do something it was never meant to do, disease control, not civil government's job, they mess it up royally, and they've cost so many lives. It is insane. Thornley and Brock uh, reanalyzed the data and calculated the um, incidence of miscarriages in the first trimester was actually 82% to 91%. 91 percent of the people who got this vaccine had a miscarriage terrifying Mm. how many lives were lost because of a oopsie little mistake just a just a little mistake by our cdc it's lovely so that is uh my first bit of news um you know, every time they do something like this, they f- they make they prove our point for us. They prove God's point, mm-hmm. actually. They demonstrate why God said they were never supposed to be involved in this kind of stuff because of things like this. Thousands of babies dead 
not by choice, mind you. These these mothers, I I mean, it doesn't say anywhere here that they got an abortion. This was not by choice. These were murdered by the CDC. All right, uh, my next headline, 11 states, now here's the exciting thing. 11 states file lawsuit against Biden's vaccine mandate for businesses. Now, this is the precursor to what Jacob and I were talking about, but I wanted to bring it up because... I think it's important that we realize the power that we have as American citizens still to this day. I know it seems like, you know, we live in a society where we can't do much. Um, It is an increasingly more uh, uh, communistic, Marxist, socialist country. But this story actually demonstrates to us, and the story Jacob and I were talking about earlier, demonstrates the power we still have as Americans and we need to keep exercising that power power. Okay. First, a brief overview of the new mandate. So I want to talk about the new mandate. On Thursday, the Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, that's OSHA, published a rule that requires the companies to either have their uh, workers get the COVID-19 vaccine or submit to weekly testing or face hefty fines of tens of thousands of dollars. The mandate, slated to go into effect on January 4th, will affect tens of millions of private sector employees. Now, What's uh, You might be asking yourself, uh, well, didn't we just talk about this like a month or two ago when Biden did his whole press release thing and he talked about this? Yeah, that's true. But up until now, there's been no official thing on the books. No official law, no mandate, no nothing. Those were just words. Now OSHA is actually taking action against the American people. Now they're hostile to people who want control of their own bodies and don't want to get shot up with something that could potentially kill them. Now they're hostile to those people who want to make those decisions. So um, that's a recap of the new mandate. Attorney generals in 11 states filed a lawsuit Friday against fake President Joe Biden's administration in a challenge against a new vaccine mandate for workers and firms with 100 or more employees. Uh, 11 states. Very cool. Congratulations. Those are the 11 remaining states in our republic who actually know what freedom is, actually know what liberty is. The uh, lawsuit filed in the Missouri-based 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals argued that only states have the power to compel vaccinations, not the federal government. Again, I would doubt that. I would question that um, because, you know, I don't believe that states do have that power. As the civil government, they do not have control over my body unless I've I'm. I've, I've actually perpetrated a crime. If I'm not a criminal, then they do not have control over that. So, um, but the 11 states, this is, this is important. And, and I want to share the 11 states um, because I want you to know these are the last remaining havens of liberty in America. Here we go. Arizona, Nebraska, Montana... Arkansas, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Alaska, New Hampshire, which I was blown away by. Yeah, right. Uh, And Wyoming joined Missouri's lawsuit. So there you go. Not Texas? Not Texas. Not yet. I don't know if they're going to, um, but they have not yet. According to this list. So, but um, although... Jake, we did find in our other, um, I'm reading here, the case was brought by multiple businesses, the American Family Association, multiple individuals in several states, including Texas, Utah, and Mississippi. So I think that's a different thing. Um, So you can include those on your list of free states to go visit if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They certainly deserve that that, uh, prestigious award. But um, Arizona, Nebraska, Montana, Arkansas, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Alaska, New Hampshire, and Wyoming, and Missouri are definitively fighting this unconstitutional, unconstitutional, unbiblical, and just evil mandate. All right. So there's my, there's my articles. <laughs> All right. So um, let's move on to the literature of the month. So uh, this month, what uh, what we're reading is a brand new book, and I'm gonna post this on our Gab page. If uh, I'm gonna post this on um, t- 
Today is Sunday when we're recording this, but I'm going to post it today. I neglected to post it last week, so I'm going to post this. By the time you're watching this on Tuesday, you will be able to go to our Gab page, find a link to this. We'd highly encourage you, we always do, highly encourage you to buy this book for yourself, uh, read along with us, and um, share us any other tidbits that we missed in the book that you would have liked us to talk about. So send us an email with those clips from the book, and we would love to get those emails from more of our audience. That would be awesome. So our book this month is Millstones and Stumbling Blocks, and it's by uh, Bradley Heath. Um, this week we read chapters one and two. So uh, before I started reading this book, I really, I hadn't heard of Bradley Heath before. I didn't know where he stood on um, some things. I knew what the book contained. I knew the information it would contain, some of the information. I knew it was gonna be good. I just, I didn't realize just how solid this book was going to be. Um, and I figured we'd do a lot of supplemental research, but honestly, the, the level of, um, that, that Bradley Heath has taken, um, taken this to in his book is just amazing. So I read the preface and I was already impressed. And then I read chapters one and two this week and I was just blown away. Absolutely incredible. Uh, piece of literature, so I'm very excited. And Joe expressed some of those same uh, some of those same feelings as well. So the guy was on fire when he was writing this book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, it was quite the book. So, um, well, it is quite the book. We only read chapters one and two. I mean, it's crazy. I'm just like, I'm wow. excited to read I, the next few chapters. Yes, I cannot wait. It is such a good <laughs> book. Um, yeah, he mentioned some of the people that uh, we've even talked about before. He mentioned Doug Wilson. He's mentioned uh, various other people, and it was very cool. So here we go. Let's get into it. So uh, first question, what did you find most interesting about the chapters? And as always, Jake, take it away. Alrighty. So um, the book made an interesting claim, and I wanted to share it. Uh, what was said is that the public schools teach what the public schools teach is subjects detached from anything else. Mm. And all I can think of when I read this section is how in schools, what mainly is detached in these subjects is God and the biblical view of God. Each of these subjects cannot make sense without a biblical worldview. And even more so is that you can't have subjects detached from a worldview. A lot of people say that, well, we don't we don't want to have um, religion inside of <laughs> schools. Yeah. Well, that that's not possible because there will always be a belief, faith in everything. There will always be worldview attached to everything. Yes. So that that was what I found interesting. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, the myth of neutrality. We talked about that in our first episode, and it's. Uh, making a comeback (laughs) and uh yeah we'll be discussing that later on today it's very important that we understand that neutrality is a myth um and it's it's a false idea because it's impossible for these sorts of things to be neutral and christ said that um when he said you're either for me or against me um neutrality is an absolute myth so we'll be delving into that a lot more so thank you very much jake for for bringing that out very important Big, big part of these chapters for sure. All right, Joe. I, what I found most interesting is I really like how Heath eventually asked this uh, question in chapter two, why rock the boat? And for some Mm. more content, here it is. One of the reasons he asked this question is because one of the reasons why parents want their kids to go to school or to public schools is because of like the sports, the proms, other fun things, social yep. activities, so forth and so on. Extracurricular. Band. The, the list goes on. It goes on and on. As he also states in this book, uh, parents are left with the feeling that the school is a perfect place <laughs> to practice being salt and light, especially for <laughs> Christian kids. Well, uh, sadly to say, that's really is not what is happening in the public nope. school system. Usually, kids are being the Christian kids are being more conformed yep. to what is being taught, what is being how they are being indoctrinated. Yes, because they don't want to be bullies. They don't want to stand up and take a side because they do know that the moment they take a side and take up against, yeah. they're going to get backfired. They're going to get bullied. We see this in the government 
in the yeah. government in of itself. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, Bradley Heath um, likened it to sending untrained soldiers onto the, the battlefront, into the front lines, right? Mm-hmm. Into a battle. But they're untrained soldiers. They're children. This is a culture war. And if you think you can send kids into this war when they're 10, 11, 12 years eight. old. Yeah, eight. You don't understand just how much of a war this truly is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and there's, top- in, in the Bible, you find a lot of um, wording like like a battlefield mm. and how it yep. says we, we have to fight fight the battle. A lot yep. of people Put say on that the armor of God. Spiritual. Yeah. yeah, that's spiritual, but but that really could be sent for this for this kind of moment here when when kids are being sent to the public schools. Yeah. That's a battlefield and you're mm-hmm. sending untrained soldiers into that. Yep. And a lot of kids aren't armed with the full armor of God because they aren't completely right. knowledgeable or comprehend. Yeah, they can't kids. comprehend yeah. it. But yeah. yeah, another thing is they don't want to lose their friendships. And if a friend makes um, a says they want to go for LGBT, for example, yep. some of these kids, it's just they have had that long-lasting friendship. It's hard for them to even say, hey, this is wrong. Yeah. yeah. Especially since they've been indoctrinated for who knows right. how long. Right. Yeah, they may not even see it as a problem at that point. Yep. Um, cool. So in, in that content, why not stay silent? Mm, um, don't yeah. not worry about being bullied. That's why he is mentioning this question, why walk the boat? Because I, I, I can easily get through it not being bullied if, if I don't raise <laughs> up my voice. Yeah, it's easier to it's, remain quiet, mm-hmm. at least at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that's what I that's what I liked about this chapter is why rock the boat? Yeah, that is really when you rock the boat, you really are being the salt and light of Christ. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Joe. Definitely. Um, So I before I answer this question, I just wanted to briefly set up um, a phrase that I use and I wanted to explain why I use it. And uh request that Joe and Jake that you use the same phrase and I'd love to get your thoughts on this phrase as well. So we commonly hear people in our society refer to the indoctrination camps as public schools. And I I don't like that phrase. I don't like the phrase public schools. Technically, the term public does mean civil government. Private is the private sector. It's not civil government. However, I use the term government schools because that is also technically correct, right? Now, here's why I use it. And I'm going to be, talk- I'm going to be talking a lot more about this later on. But I wanted to, to start out by saying the term public school has been used for decades. Uh, it's been used so long that it doesn't have the same meaning that it used to. <clears throat> People just gloss over it. It's just another option. It's just another type of school. Even big R Republicans who claim to not trust government, right? And Joe and I were talking about this before. They um, they don't trust the government enough to, you know, take an injection into their body that they don't know much about, right? They don't trust the government to inject things into their body, and yet they trust the government to fill their children's heads with garbage. They trust them during their most formative years of life. They trust them in part because they don't even think about it. And um, Bradley Heath went into this a lot in his um, in these two chapters, and I'm sure he's going to go into it a lot more. But I call it government schools. I call them government schools, government indoctrination camps, because that stands out to people. Mm-hmm. And they start to think about it. And they're like, oh, huh, wait a minute. Yeah, you, you know what? These, these are government-run institutions, This is essentially like taking my child down to the DMV and asking them to train them. Like, you are sending your children to the government. And when you use the word public school, it doesn't have that same kind of meaning. When you use government school, that gets to the heart of the issue. It's like the difference between calling a baby a fetus and a baby, right? It's like, okay, can we not speak Latin right now? We speak English. Okay, it's a baby. Same deal here. 
This is these are government institutions run by the same government that you claim not to trust. And yet you're sending your children to them day in and day out for the most formative years of their life. This needs to be this can't be understated. So for the rest of this month, and actually I always call them government schools, but for the rest of this month, we're going to be referring to them as government schools, government indoctrination camps on the show. And that's why any uh, dissenting opinions. <laughs> you have a fair point. Cool. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> that, I, I thought so too. Um, <clears throat> all right. So Bradley Heath spent the beginning of chapter one discussing the lack of substance in the government schools. I think this is an important aspect to understand because, unfortunately, many parents are under the impression that while their kids might not learn about scripture and biblical things from school, they'll still learn the ins and outs of the academic world, which is wrong. They falsely believe that the government schools will teach children the fundamentals of how to live in this world. Heath strongly speaks against these falsehoods on pages 14 and 15 when he says, Author and educator George Grant has aptly described the multitudes of poorly educated Americans. And this was George Grant's quote. He said, they do not know what they do not know. This was certainly my case. And this is Heath again. This is certainly my case as freshly minted uh, as a freshly minted college graduate. Art, history, music, literature, theology, philosophy, all of these and more were missing from my education and my life. I knew science and mathematics, but even these had been taught as isolated subjects, unrelated and detached from any universality. My school and my thinking lacked substance, uh, integration, and context, end quote. Um, he then continued and he said, I had been robbed of my educational heritage by the purveyors of a foolish, socially engineered, morally bankrupt, and politically correct public schooling system, end quote. Uh, Heath held nothing back and continued by saying, here's another quote, public schooling is a hollow shell, a stuffed charade, a glass-eyed cadaver of the once substantive education Preceding it, public schooling is a poor imitation of true education, an inert imposture that is rigid, impo or rigid, posed, and dead. The culmination of their effort is knowledge without wisdom and facts without truth. End quote. He then introduced a really interesting topic that I think is really important to realize. On page 16, he said, The absence of public schooling during the unprecedented millennia rise, millennial rise of Christendom, is evidence of a broader and more effective context for education, end quote. The kingdom of Christ grew at a more, um, the, the kingdom of Christ grew at unparalleled speeds prior to the advent of the government indoctrination camps. Uh, quality education was available for centuries before the government indoctrination system was even imagined by Horace Mann. And Christianity was far more solid during those days. Christianity was stronger because there wasn't a massive system devoted to stamping out Christian beliefs and principles. And further, if that system did exist, parents cared enough about their children to not sacrifice them to that idolatrous and evil indoctrination system. Bradley Heath discusses this, uh, discusses this point on page 17. He says the irrelevance of God is a fundamental doctrine taught by all public schools. Uh, and he uses the word public schools. We've discussed it. So, you know, I'm quoting him. The only time you'll ever hear me refer to these institutions as public schools is when I'm quoting him. So, um, consequently, this is still his, his quote. Consequently, every day for 12 years, the content and context of my public schooling said there was no God. And even if there is, he does not matter. So this is important. This is an important decision for parents to make. Um, it is a life-changing decision, not just for them, but for their children, for all aspects of the family government that parents are in charge of. We've talked about the different spheres of government that uh, God has created in society. And as I said before, <clears throat> we're discussing right now the sphere of family government. And children are an integral part of family government. Um, educating those children cannot be taken lightly. All right, next question. 
that was just question one. <laughs> this is why it's so hard to, uh, there's so much that could be said. It's hard to pare it all down, which is why I'll be doing probably a deep dive this week. Um, question two, what did you find most surprising? And as always, this could be something you hadn't considered this way before, something you might've heard uh, posed a different way, but um, you really liked the way that Bradley Heath uh, talked about it. And Jake, kick us off. Alrighty. Uh, so something that he said, which I wanted to talk a little bit more about, is that a government school teaches you skills and academics that might help you in life, but what they lack is teaching you wisdom. Hmm. Now, yep. we must understand what is wisdom. Well, we see in Proverbs, this is not a direct quote, by the way, but <laughs> but what it says here is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or yep. wisdom. So in order for a school to teach someone how to be wise, they must first learn that first that person must first learn how to fear the Lord. Nice. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it starts there and if you don't start with the fear of the Lord, you've got nothing. You have no mm -hmm. wisdom, you have no foundation, um and you can't possibly know what wisdom is or even hope to teach wisdom. Absolutely. Thank you, Jake. All right, Joe. One of the things that was made clear in chapter two. Okay. Chapter two was kind of my favorite chapter. It was so, <laughs> that's good. I so much meat. On one, so that's great. <laughs> so much meat in there. Um, but a general overview of uh, another paragraph in chapter two on page 24 was, it was stating how parents, um, some parents are concerned about like the the verbal abuse and the the gun violence, but really Christians should have been worried about is, and here's a direct quote, in and towards the end of that paragraph is few Christians parents have lost their children to public school violence, but multitudes have lost their kids spiritually, mm. intention, um, yep. interact, in intelligently and philosophically by ignoring the real threats those schools pose the, their threats are it's anti-god if i can say that yeah absolutely they they don't want to teach god they try to rip they in south dakota they try to rip the um, <laughs> south dakota's model off of all of our um schools and yeah. if i'm not mistaken christy Nome has put them all back hmm. which is really nice yeah yeah. But yeah, it's they're they're taking they're trying to take God out as much as they can. And yeah. why not? Because it, it do... doesn't fit with the religion that they preach. Mm -hmm. They have their religion and Christianity isn't it. <laughs> it's it's crazy to think a lot of religions can get along together unless you're Christian. Muslims wanna uh execute Christians yeah. right off the bat. If you're a Christian you you you're executed. But yeah, if you're other person, yeah, it's not as, at yep. least from what I remember, is it's not a oh instant beheading. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're gonna talk a lot more about this um, near the end of the show as well. For the last question, um, we'll be delving into that a little bit more as well. So thanks for bringing that up, Joe. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I know we've we've got a lot to talk about today. <laughs> um, which is good that our current events section was kind of shorter than usual because there's a lot to talk about in the literature yeah. segment. All right. So, my answer. I figured y'all would be would be going a little bit over, so my my current events was quite short. Cool. Well, Very thanks nice. for uh, thinking Keeping of that, Jake, and anticipating that. <laughs> All right. So, um, I actually want to give two answers to this question. There are so many reasons why the government schools should be avoided by Christians at all costs. It's hard to fit everything that needs to be said into the small window of time we have on this show. Um, but one of the reasons why I strongly oppose the government indoctrination camps they call schools <clears throat> was stated quite eloquently by Bradley Heath on page 18. He said the stifling conformity of their educational methodology stamps out one cookie cutter student after another. Public schools are structured like factories, mass producing a one size fits all educational commodity and operating operated like prisons. 
complete with medical sedation, med metal detectors, video su surveillance, and SWAT team hostage drills, end quote. Government schools are factories. Mm. That's what they are. That's what they were originally created to be. You can look at this historically. That's why they were created, to produce factory workers that just did what they were told. <clears throat> Every student is taught to think and act exactly like everyone else. Peer pressure forces them to conform to survive. And any hint of the uniqueness given to all of us by God is seen as a weakness. Children are not treated as people created in the image of God with unique and important roles to play in society. They aren't given the information or ability to discover their God-given gifts. They aren't even told that that's a thing. They are factory workers. There is no room for anything else. My second point relates to the parents who offer their children as sacrifices to the God of postmodernism and secular humanism. It's baffling to me, all the ways that parents have rationalized what they're doing to their children. First, as I mentioned before, they'll try and justify their actions by claiming that at least their children will get a rudimentary understanding of how to live in a society and get a job. And as I mentioned before, and as Bradley Heath and most government schooled people will tell you, this is an absolute lie. Kids who graduate from these indoctrination camps are no more prepared for life than those who are graduated at home. <clears throat> After that excuse has been dismantled, some, as Bradley Heath talked about, will claim that sacrificing your children to the government is a time-honored tradition and experience that can almost be called patriotic. He went on to explain on page 19 that it is hard to criticize the familiar, friendly, and fraternal, end quote. Yet another excuse given by parents is the claim that they aren't qualified to teach their own children. You aren't qualified to teach your own kids? That's your excuse? Heath discusses this on page 19 when he says, here's his quote, Regret Regrettably, many Christian parents allow public school professionals, and if 2020 has, thought us, has, has taught us anything, is that trusting the experts is the worst thing we could do. Um, many Christian parents allow public school professionals to think for them. We inadequately consider the issues and surrender our thinking and children to the experts. And when uh, Bradley Heath, oh, by the way, end quote. Um, <laughs> when Bradley Heath wrote these words, um, it, obviously I don't think it was during 2020. And so he would have <laughs> no idea the impact that trust the experts that phrase would have on future generations or even just a few years later after he wrote this. But I think by now most conservative Republicans realize that just trusting the experts, no matter what they say, is the stupidest thing you could ever do. So uh, these, were, these words have even more weight now when we consider that that's what we're doing. We're trusting the experts with our own children, the most precious thing in this world that God gives us. And we trust those people. We trust the government. God says that children are a gift to parents. We throw that gift away and we sacrifice them at the altar of money, having a nice house, having a nice... Um, car, all of these things. We want more time, you know, whatever. There's so many excuses. We sacrifice a beautiful gift that God has given us for all of these earthly things. It's ridiculous and, and sad. All right. Moving on to our last question. <laughs> um, here we go. What is uh, what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And if uh, you haven't uh, caught on by now, um, <laughs> the theme of the month is the dangers and evils of the government schools. The dangers and evils of the government schools. And Jake, we'll have you kick things off. All right. So I first wanted to start out with a word that sums up the majority of chapter two. And that word would be Wow. <laughs> um, what I find that restates this theme perfectly is how Heath shows us that most parents are afraid of physical harm. Hmm. However, he says the mo that most should be afraid of the mental and spiritual yes. harm yep. that is done in the public schools. Yep. There's a quote that is found on page 22, and here it is. Concern over the unlikely chance of our children being physically assaulted should pale in comparison to the certainty of assault 
on their Christian faith and yep. beliefs. As you see in this quote, it is that it is not that we should be afraid of physical harm. However, we should be afraid of the mental and spiritual harm that can be done. And also, I want to be to note uh, that he says physical harm is unlikely, but mental and spiritual harm is certain. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, the, you it, know, mental and spiritual harm. Go go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. <laughs> go for it. So but mental and spiritual harm will always happen, whereas mm. yeah. it is highly unlikely that physical harm from shootings will happen. Yes. Will occur. Yeah. And, and this theme is so important. Um, I think we've all three of us have picked up on this quote. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about that in my answer as well when we get to uh, that point. And um, I, I think it stuck out because it's it's really important because it's not being discussed. I mean, big R Republicans and liberals are similar in this in this regard. They all address the physical side of things. They all oh, school shootings, right? And they come down on opposite sides on that. We should have no guns. We should have all the guns. You know, all the parents should have guns. You know, um, so they 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 focus on that instead of focusing on what's t actually being taught. And of course, now they're being focused on one aspect of what's being taught: critical racist theory. Um, but they still don't get it. They still don't understand that. If you are not preaching the word of God, you are against the word of God. And I'm going to be talking about that more a little bit later. But yeah, this is really, this is really important stuff to, to discuss. All right, Joe? Yes. So the, the quote that I, I'm just full of quotes today. <laughs> the quote that I found that best suits the filling in for this question or answering this question was found on in chapter one, and ha this uh, Heath is explaining. <laughs> Public schools are so busy indoctrinating children with what to think, but they fail at teaching them how to think critically. <clears throat> okay, I added critically in there, um, yeah. and they tr and that is truly a problem with today. Yeah, the government can tell people, hey. You don't want to work? Here, have some money. And and I feel like that's another thing that our ki kids in the schools are gaining yeah. is, oh, we can rely on the government. We don't need to work. Why do we need to work? And yeah. that's yeah. another aspect of just getting rid of and, the gospel. You know, I, I think that whole um, that phrase, they're being taught what to think instead of how to think. I actually disagree with a lot of big art Republicans on mm -hmm. that because – what they'll say is that they shouldn't be taught what to think. They should be taught how to think. Um, do we not yeah. teach children yeah. what to it's... think about the Bible? What to think about their lives in relation to God? Are we not to teach that? I disagree. I think we should be teaching them right. what to think and also how to think. Both are equally important. Although I would say but, the what to yeah, think. What is right, what is wrong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They, we shouldn't be teaching them what to think is like, okay, voting only Democrat is the right way. Sure. Or yep. that, I think that's more of what he's yes. getting at in this totally content. Totally get you. Yep, I can totally get on board with that, for sure. Yep, cool. Yeah. Thank you. A anything else you want to add? That was pretty much all. I, I had a shorter one, but y'all kept taking what I had, and I kept taking <laughs> what y'all had, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, great chapter. It is. Great. I can't believe it's only two chapters. Yeah. There's so much in here. All right, a little bit of a longer answer. Like I said, the word oh, go ahead. Up, the word that sums it up is wow. wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of a longer answer. I'm going to try and make it fast, um, but there's just a lot. This is going to kind of tie it all together. Tie it all together. Yeah, Joe's over there motioning like, hey, we're running out of time. So thank you, Joe. Joe is our You're official welcome. timekeeper now. Yeah, after our couple, of, our past couple episodes have gotten a little longer and longer and longer, Joe's been like, uh, we need a timekeeper. And I'm like, yes, we do, because I can ramble. <laughs> so Joe is our official, um, <clears throat> our official timekeeper. So, all right. So I'm going to make this kind of quick. But again, I'll probably be putting up a deep dive. So um, if you aren't already, subscribe to our Rumble page. Uh, subscribe to us on Rumble or on Gab or Odyssey. Please do that right now. Pause the episode. 
pause it. Go to Rumble, go to Gab, go to Odyssey. I don't care which one. Follow us on our pro First Amendment platforms. If we get kicked off of our podcast platforms or YouTube, all these places that like to censor people for speaking out against um, evil, you know, you won't be able to listen to us. So please make sure you follow us on pro First Amendment platforms that aren't going to censor us. All right. There we go. There's my advert spiel. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Again, to reiterate the question, what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And our theme this month, introduced it today, is the dangers and evils of the government schools. I want to start by sharing a few important points Heath introduced on pages 19 and 20. Heath said, and this is his quote, In his influential book, Standing on the Promises, Doug Wilson summarizes the basis for not sending children to public schools. He reasons, that Christian parents are morally obligated to keep their children out of the public schools because, and this is Doug Wilson's quote, keeping the greatest commandment requires that we love God with all our minds. And you can look up Matthew 22, verse 27. Uh, Doug Wilson also said, God expects parents to provide for and support their children. He also said the continued presence of Christians in public schools subsidizes a lie. It subsidizes a lie and keeps an institution dedicated to false teaching in existence, end quote. And also end Bradley quotes, or Bradley Heath quote. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There were several other reasons listed by Heath that Wilson talked about in his book, but I thought those were some of the highlights. So again, if you don't already have the book, go on our Gab page right now. Grab a copy of this book and, and check out uh, check out pages 19 and 20. Um, there's some really, really good information there. Honestly, just read the whole chapter, chapters 1 and 2. They're so good. And they're really fairly short, actually, compared to most other books we've read. So, they're not all that long. <clears throat> no, they're really not that long, and they're a super easy read. So definitely check this book out. Um in discussing some of the dangers of governmental or of government schools, some parents might bring up the potential for physical bullying. And Jacob and Joe also touched on this, but I want to talk about it a little bit more um, for physical bullying or school shootings. But Heath says on page 25 that it is not the improbable violence to their body, but the assured violence to their mind and spirit that constitutes the clear and present danger of public schooling, end quote. And I just, it was it was too good not to put this quote in here. He literally talks about the dangers <laughs> of government school. And that's literally what our theme was. So I was like, all right, I got to get this quote in here. Right. So, um, uh, all right. As Christians, we must realize that it is, it is impossible for something to be neutral. You are either with Christ or against him. This goes for education too. Education is not just uh, an abnormality in this rule, okay? Education is the same. On page 26, Heath says, make no mistake, the much-touted neutrality of public schooling is a myth. Public schools cannot and do not teach math, science, history, literature, or anything else with a neutral, unbiased objectivity. Every fact is an interpreted fact. Every fact has an underlying frame of reference in an accompanying set of presuppositions, end quote. To think that we can somehow separate Christianity from education and somehow offer a neutral form of education is insanity. If Christianity is not being taught, some other religion most certainly is. Heath summed this up nicely on page 27 when he asked, Would we disapprove of Islamic schools if Christians were taxed to support them and compelled to attend them? Would we remove our children from such schools? I hope so. All education is inescapable or inescapably religious. Christian children need Christian education. Ideas have consequences. What we believe determines how we live. Or, if you prefer, and then he quotes uh, Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. End quote. He adds on page 28 that God's providential acts are explained as random chance and survival of the fittest. The secularism taught in public schools is diametrically opposed to Christianity. Inflicting these lies on Christian children is a foolish thing. And I would go farther. I would say that is an evil thing. You are are morally saying that you don't care about your children. And you are fine with them learning that the wonderful providence of God on this earth 
is not really anything at all. It's just survival of the fittest. That is evil. Um, there's a lot more I could say on the content discussed in these two chapters. So much I could say. But I want to wrap things up with a quote from page 29. Bradley Heath says, and here's his quote, Christian parents should see choosing public schooling as analogous to choosing divorce. It should be a grievous, heartbreaking decision made only as a last resort. Public schooling is simply the wrong choice for Christian families. And he's got a lot more uh, analogies and examples in uh, the chapters that we read, especially chapter two. He spent the the uh, uh, end of chapter two discussing and comparing uh, public schooling, government schooling to a smoker and actually smoking. Um, so it was really interesting the way he tied those two examples together. So I would definitely, again, highly recommend you check that out. All right. Joe, how are we doing on time? Doing well. Awesome. Well, almost <laughs> okay. Well, so. anything else you guys want to add before we wrap things up? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, thank you both uh, so much for um, going through these chapters and, and adding a lot to this conversation. These are conversations that we need to have a lot more. Just like discussing the civil government how and how it should function, we should be discussing the family government and how it should function as well. And this is a humongous part of that. So. We need to discuss this more as Christians. We need to start calling out people who are sending their kids to the government indoctrination camps may not realize just how bad things really are. So if you know someone who is doing that to their poor children, inform them gently with love, but make sure that they know exactly what it is that they're doing to their children. All right. As always, thank you all so, so much for listening to us or watching us today. We really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to like us, subscribe, do all the things that let us know you are watching us and you appreciate our content. Send us an email if you have any questions or data you want to share with us. Very much looking forward to that. And uh, until then, um, our website. I forgot to share our website. You can go to our website and share our website, which is drdshow.net. Um, and share that with as many people as you can. Again, our email address is drdshow at protonmail.com. And that's where you can send all your emails and stuff like that. And until then, we will see you in the next episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it unto the Lord.